Welcome to Best Friends Horror Story. Two best friends, one creepy podcast. I'm Julie. And I'm Christine. We review horror movies and talk about different types of horror stories. Because not all horror stories are full of ghosts, ghouls, and demons. Some are full of real-life monsters. So sit back and enjoy the show. Hello! You're back! We are back. (laughs) We're back for, for the thing. You guys are back for the podcast. The pad. Obviously, you didn't hate us too much in our first episode. If no. You're listening again. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, sorry about that volume issue. Yeah. <laughs> um, that was, I think, probably my bad. It was we, all Julie's fault. It was all my fault. We were actually recording on a teeny tiny little Tascam mic that my husband bought for me at a pawn shop. It's a really good mic, but it just is old and it wasn't working very well. So the volume issue hopefully will be fixed in this episode. I really do appreciate everybody who let me know about that issue. There and were a who couple dicks about it. Yeah, no, nobody was. <laughs> nobody, nobody was, was mean. Thank you. So that's really good. Nobody was a dick about it. I was really glad that people let us know and they were really nice about it. Um, actually, one of the podcasts that I follow on Twitter sent me a a private message and was like, hey, your podcast is really good, but the volume is super low. We had to turn it up all the way to hear you. So to everybody who let us know, thank you. Yes, thank you. We appreciate you. And also, as far as we're apologizing, um, I have something to apologize for that I did in the last episode, or the first episode, I should say. I need to apologize for calling Allison Williams Lake Bell (laughs) twice. Those are the actresses that I kind of mix one another up with. They do look alike. They look a lot alike. And I, yeah, I just, I was mistaken and I apologize. Nobody caught it. Uh, or if you did ca- catch it, you didn't tell me. So I'm just ratting myself out now. So she, she, I called she, Allison Williams Lake Bell twice. Yeah. She can't not just let that go. <laughs> like, I have to apologize for it. I was like, well, you know, if you have to apologize for it. I do. Go ahead. If, if Allison Williams ever listened to this, sorry. Yeah. And if Lake Bell listens to it, sorry for giving you credit for something you didn't do. Right. Jeez. So next thing we want to talk about is our upload schedule. So we're going to most likely be uploading once a week and so that you guys have something to listen to and look forward to yes if we don't upload or we you know something happens because life always happens then we will let you guys know most likely on our twitter at bf horror story please go follow us we will follow you back because we're cool like that we reciprocate Yes, and that leads me to my next point. Thank you, Twitter people. We have 375 followers. I know that doesn't seem like a lot to a lot of people, but it is a lot to us. It's a lot to us because we only have one episode out in the ether. Right? And you guys are like, hey, and I think it's also like a big deal because there's a big podcast community that I didn't even honestly know about until I got into this and... I was just so excited to see people interacting with us and shouting out our podcast, getting it out for their listeners to listen to. If you guys, you know, want us to talk about other podcasts we're listening to, we can definitely do that too, because I know I have my favorites. Christine has her favorites. So Mm -hmm. definitely, if you want us to do that, we can do that. Um, I didn't share my Instagram profile on our last episode because I've had my same Instagram profile for probably about seven years. Not that I'm upset by some of the things I posted in the past. I just didn't want people to be able to go back that far in my life before the (laughs) podcast. They don't want to see, you don't want them to see like 
The old Christine. The old Christine. <laughs> no, so I do have a separate Instagram account. It's at Christini the Genie, C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-I-T-H-E-G-E-N-I. And it's an old nickname that I had from high school back when Christina Aguilera was a thing. Remember? That's a, that's a lot of letters. I know. <laughs> but you guys know how to spell. Right? Well, you would hope. I'd hope that our listeners know Unless how to spell. babies listen to our podcast. And in that case, I really question... What you're doing and what you're letting your kids listen to, because I wouldn't let my kid listen to me. <laughs> no. So another fun thing, we have a new setup. Yes. Um, it is actually a lot better. Before we were recording in my living room with this old microphone, and we had to like lean forward on the couch and sit really close together because we had one pair of headphones. I mean, I didn't mind it. I mean, <laughs> eh. <laughs> you not minded a, it? Not at all. <laughs> I um, to be close. And so now we have two microphones. Christine has her own microphone. I do. So you can hear all her sounds. She has many. <laughs> and uh, we both have our own pair of headphones. So we're actually super professional right now. Uh, just call us professional bitches because mm-hmm. it, it looks amazing. And it sounds really good. The only thing that I'm going to say about the sound is that we are recording in my bedroom. And the ceilings in this room are incredibly tall. If there is a bit of like an echoey sound or it is like kind of like we're in a, a cathedral of some sort, that will be fixed. I'm hoping by the next couple episodes I'm working on getting acoustic panels for this room so that it doesn't sound nearly as bad. But, uh, you know, we'll see. So Christine has a horror story. I do. It's not the ghosts and demons and ghouls type. It's just a general full-on Lyft rider horror story. I don't drive for Lyft. I ride for Lyft. (laughs) You ride or die for Lyft. Ride or die for Lyft. So my car went to go get an oil change. It needed some more things done to it, just like a tune-up and some new brake pads, whatnot. And so they needed to keep it another night to be able to do everything the next day. Uh, So I left it in the shop, got a ride from Chase uh, into work, and then I was going to take the courtesy shuttle to go back to the dealership to go and pick it up later after I was off of work. But the shuttle wasn't going to be able to pick me up until 50 minutes after I called them. So I was like, I know. They had to drop somebody else off and they were like, our ETA is in... 25 minutes and I'd already been waiting for 20 minutes and I was like I just want to go home so I'm gonna get a lift. I requested a lift and they matched me with the driver. I never really think about who my driver is going to be. It said he had five stars and I was like okay fine whatever. In the parking lot at work there were several open parking spaces that I would just assume that he would pull into. Well you would think. I mean Common sense. He pulled around this. I saw him pull into the driveway and pull around the side of the building. And I was like, uh oh, does he think that I'm like on the street? <laughs> like, because sometimes he the, doesn't know where I am. No, sometimes he, like, you know, the pin is somewhere else. Right. And I was like, oh no, maybe he thinks I'm on, on the street by the bus stop or something. So I go outside and I kind of go up to the car. And it always hits you when you're about to get into a stranger's car. You're like, what if this is the wrong car? Oh, yeah, for sure. But then I looked at the license plate and it wasn't. I opened the back door 
because I saw he had stuff in the front seat. I usually like to sit in the front because if I sit in the back, I get a little bit of car sickness. Yeah. Um, so I like to sit in the front, but he had stuff in the front seat and I was like, oh, fine, I'll sit in the back. I open the door and he goes, hi, are you Christine? <laughs> I'm not. Christine. Christine. I've never had anybody butcher my name. Wow. My last name, yes. My first name, no. It's not like it's an exotic name you or know, anything like that. I've never had that either. My name being Julie, it's pretty straightforward. Yeah. But I had a Starbucks that would write my name so many different ways. J-U-L-Y, J-O-O-L-E-E. I'm like, it. it's Julie. It's Julie. <laughs> wow. So, at first, I was, like, going to give him the benefit of the doubt. I'm like, oh, maybe it's uh, he doesn't – English isn't his first language. But he was a white guy, and once he started talking, he didn't have an accent. He he should have been able to see that my name is Christine and pronounce it correctly. Whatever. That was kind of my first tip-off that this ride was going to be weird was he called me Christine. And I said, Christine? And he's like, oh, yeah, sorry, my bad. And uh, I go to. Just, did he say it? Just oh like yeah, that? sorry. <laughs> I get in. He's like apologizing for how messy his car is, and yeah, the floorboards were like had pine needles and were kind of muddy and whatnot. And I was like, it's not that big a deal. Like then he starts blaming his other Lyft riders for tracking stuff into his car. Bro, you drive for Lyft. <laughs> And it's not like I expect, it's a car. I don't expect it to be pristine. Right. I'm not, I'm not paying a hundred dollars to go 2.8 miles, you right. know? Right. So I'm like, oh, it's fine. You know, don't worry about it. And then I'm trying to buckle the seatbelt in the back seat. It's not working. And I was like, um, I think your seatbelt's broken. And he goes, oh yeah, just move over to the middle. Uh, okay <laughs> then. <laughs> Why uh, not? It's fine. Just move just to the move middle. Just move to the middle. And hopefully you won't die. Yeah. I move to the middle and I'm able to buckle myself. But at the same time, I don't like the kind of seatbelt that just goes across my lap. I like the kind that, you know, will hold you in at the shoulder and chest too. So I was a little bit freaked out. I could have gone all the way over, but I didn't want to move that much since we were already driving. So I'm sitting there and he goes, so I see we're going to a dealership. Are you getting a new car? And I said, no, my, my car is just in the shop, you know, getting some general maintenance done. He asks what kind of car I have. And I say, oh, I have a GMC. And without, I didn't ask him. I didn't prompt him nothing he goes oh well you should really think about getting a toyota or a honda and i was um, like um sir nobody <laughs> asked you for your opinion no and i was like i just kind of looked at him in the rearview mirror and i was like why do you say that and he started going on and on about why toyota and honda are better cars than gmc oh god and i was like well i have a really big dog so i because he kept like talking about sedans and I was like, well, I have a big dog, so I kind of really like my SUV because I have a big dog and I prefer to drive around in big cars. And he's like, oh, well, the Honda has the Passport and Toyota has the RAV4. And I'm like, are you a salesman? Like, I didn't ask for this. And so I just kind of ignore him and am like staring out the window. He keeps trying to talk to me and he's like, so are you in tech? And I was like no, I'm not in tech. And he goes, oh, well, what do you do? And I said, oh, I'm a licensed massage therapist. And he goes, oh, really? Shoves his hand towards me oh. in the back seat. Oh, no. And goes, here, massage my hand while um, I drive. No. And I looked at him. No. In the rearview mirror and I said, no. 
I'm not going to do that. And he starts laughing like awkwardly. And he goes, I was just kidding. Anyways. No, no, sir, you were not kidding. What a weirdo. And I kept looking out the window like we're going 40 miles an hour. If I, I jump out, how hurt <laughs> would I get? Because at this point, I just wanted to jump out of the vehicle. Uh, yeah. I was like, maybe at the next stoplight. Because he just kept talking and talking about where he grew up, where he's from, how many siblings he has. And I'm like, you truly do not have to fill the silence with your talking. I'm not, I wasn't being rude, but I also wasn't asking him about his life. (laughs) So finally, we get to the dealership and he's like, all right, I hope you have a good day. And I didn't say anything. And I just got out and I closed the door. I saw Julie's husband across the way and I was like, hello. (laughs) Devin, I'm blinking my eyes in SOS Morse code. Please come help me. Please help. (laughs) Yeah, that's ridiculous. Like, I understand when people want to put their opinion on you. Like, you should buy this type of car. You should buy this type of car. I drive a Chevy. I love my Chevy. If somebody says, hey, what do you think of your Chevy? I say, I love it. It's great. You know, it. I, I love that car, but I'm not going to offer unsolicited advice to someone who I know probably doesn't want it. Mm-hmm. Like, and there's a difference between making conversation and just giving unsolicited advice as to what this person should buy or what this person should do. And I think as like a rideshare driver... You should pretty much stick to topics that are very surface. Like, how's the weather? Mm-hmm. What do you do? Oh, that's interesting. You know, what, you know, why are you, why do you drive for Lyft? You know, just basic surface conversation. Well, that and I, at my job, I pretty much stick to the don't speak unless spoken to rule. Yeah. Once you get the things out of the way that you need to, just remain quiet until the other person who is your client says something or asks a question. Just drive. Yeah. (laughs) Just do your job. I mean, I don't think I've ever had any Uber drivers, because I've never taken Lyft, but I don't think I've had any Uber drivers that have ever, like, been so weird that I've been like, oh my gosh, I want to get out of this car. This was my first time. This was my first weird, crazy Lyft driver. But from what I've heard, I've had a lot of friends that that's happened to. Like, mm-hmm. they're, they're, like their driver gives them a really weird vibe. They don't really want to be in there. But I, I've never had that happen. And it could be because most of the time I've ridden Uber, I've been with people. Like, I've been with you or I've been mm-hmm. with my husband or... And it's like, I, I haven't done it by myself. That potentially could be it. Also, um, I give off a very don't fuck with me vibe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I find that that oftentimes puts people off to talking to me or making conversation with me. And that's fine. I don't know. But that's so weird. I, I think the weirdest part about that for me is the fact that he like shoves his hand in the backseat oh. and he's like, massage my hand. Mm-hmm. What? No! Do you think, did he think that was going to be a thing? Like the guys, like men who can't call women, does that work for you? Does that like, has it ever worked? Like, did he honestly think I was going to like pull out some lotion and be like, yeah, of course. Right. This is what I do. Also considering that you've been doing that all day at work Mm -hmm. and you've been getting paid for it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, the fact that he just, first of all, expected you to touch him when he's some random dude who you have no idea who he is. 
Second of all, that he expected you would do it for free. Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. If you're yeah. good at something, never do it for free. <laughs> what is it? Cash, ass, or grass? Nobody lies. Rides Nobody for free. rides for free. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that's absolutely insane. That that I think is the creepiest thing for me. Yeah, the fact that he was like, "Oh yeah, here, grab my hand and rub it." No. No. Uh, yeah, but that you're Sorry, also... you did not fill out an informed consent. <laughs> also, you are a lot less, I think, confrontational than I am. Yeah, you would have fl- you would have smacked his hand. Oh away. yeah, no, I would have smacked his hand and then been like, I'm gonna take down your driver's license. What the hell's your name? I want every <laughs> like no, I I don't do well with, with that. That is very creepy. I don't like that. Aren't you glad I waited to tell you yeah, what I said just now? <laughs> because this is my initial reaction that you guys are hearing. Christine was like, I don't want to tell you. I want to get your reaction on the podcast. So this is my reaction. I am. Thanks. I hate it. Thanks. <laughs> I hate it. I hate it. Okay. Yeah. Wow. That That's ridiculous. Oh, jeez. So the next thing we're going to talk about. Yeah. Is... I act like I don't know. I know. Yeah. Are two movies that Christine and I actually both saw together. Together. When in they the, came out. In the theater. In the theater when they came out. In the theater. The first one we're going to talk about. They're by the same director, same production company. You guys probably already have an idea. We're going to talk about Hereditary and then we're going to talk about Midsummer. Mm. So the first one we're going to talk about is Hereditary. This movie, both of these movies are directed by Ari Aster. And he was kind of a no-name guy. He had made, I think, like a couple short films. But this, Hereditary was his first feature film. And it showed up at Sundance and it rocked everybody's world. I remember reading the tweets from people saying, you know, oh my gosh, this is the scariest movie I've ever seen. People were walking out in the middle of it. They couldn't handle it. And I remember thinking, okay, this is a lot of hype, a lot of hype because horror movies nowadays, that's all it is. It's all just hyperbole. None of it is like, oh, you know, it's scary, but you know, it's, it's not that scary. People are saying that it's, the scariest movie that they've seen since The Exorcist. And The Exorcist is one of my favorite horror movies. That is a very, very tall claim for somebody to say, oh, this movie is the scariest movie since The Exorcist. So a little background on the plot and the actors in it. Um, it stars Toni Collette. Um, she plays Annie and she has been in Krampus in her shoes and she's in the new Ryan Johnson movie Knives Out which looks actually pretty decent. It looks really really good. Mm-hmm. Like, a mur- like a murder mystery. Murder mystery style stuff which I love. It also stars one of my old man crushes uh, Gabriel Byrne. Christine's over there laughing at me. Well, yeah. I mean, you've got your tastes. I've got mine. I know. (laughs) For some reason, I have a thing for guys with accents because pretty much all my old man crushes are from somewhere in the UK, like Gabriel Byrne and Gary Oldman. But he was in Stigmata, End of Days, and a very, very old, very obscure horror movie called Gothic where he played Lord Byron. And that was actually where I first kind of developed a crush on him. As I got older, Stigmata was, that was the one for me. (laughs) Um, It also, he plays Stephen, who he is Annie's husband. And then we have Alex Wolf. He plays their son, Peter. He was in Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle, and My Friend Dahmer, which is a great movie. It also stars Millie Shapiro as Charlie. She is their daughter. And she doesn't really, she didn't really have any film credits before this, but she played Matilda on Broadway in the musical. 
She fancy. She fancy. And then it also stars Anne Dowd, which is kind of one of those ladies that we've talked about this in the last episode that you've seen in things and you know her face, but you can't exactly put your finger on where she's from. But she was actually in Handmaid's Tale as Aunt Lydia. Aunt Lydia. And she was on a couple episodes of Law and Order SVU, which is where I know her from. She's freaking evil in Handmaid's Tale. Yeah. Evil Aunt Lydia. She's pretty bad. Annie... Her mother passes away, as our parents do. You can tell that her relationship with her is very strained, very... You can just tell in the beginning that there's something off. So she and her kids and her husband go to the funeral. There's all these people there that she says she doesn't recognize. Um, There's all these weird people that are smiling at Charlie, her daughter, and Charlie... Really likes candy. She's just enjoying a chocolate bar she's, while everybody is paying their respects. She's just mowing down on this chocolate bar. Like, she is going to town on it. I was like, geez, girl, take a breath. Well, and also, uh, Annie uh, actually makes mention to the fact she's like, is there, are there nuts in that? Yeah. So right away, you know that Charlie is allergic to, highly allergic to nuts because she says- foreshadowing because there's she's like because we don't have the EpiPen yeah and I'm like if you're allergic to nuts or anything you should have an EpiPen you should have the EpiPen on you at all times oh for sure so they go to the funeral Annie what her job is is she basically makes these tiny little models for like galleries um so that they developers can look at them and get 3d views of it She's very engrossed in that, but she also has made a model of her house and, like, things that have happened in her life. I wonder if it's, like, a coping mechanism or... I don't know, but it's odd. Everything in this movie is very odd. So then her mother has passed away. She's already feeling this grief. She goes to a grief support group. She just unloads, just unloads everything that's in her life. And she's had all these horrible things with her mother and her father and her brother. They all have mental health issues. Yeah, her dad, he died from starvation, she said, from some kind of mental health. Like, he wasn't eating. He starved himself. He starved himself, yeah. And her brother actually committed suicide by hanging himself in his mother's bedroom and accused her of putting people inside of him. Mm -hmm. We're like, okay, why are you the only normal one? Seemingly normal one. Right. It, It was that she was very seemingly normal, but you could tell that there was something underneath that. And then they kind of go on this thing about, you know, Charlie's very upset that her grandmother is dead. Like, very upset. Mm -hmm. And they had a very specific relationship. Her mother actually says, you know, you were her favorite. You were her favorite. And it's like, okay, uh, all right. And then there's like a word that's carved into her wall. Uh, Okay, that's weird. Why are they showing that? This, for me, was one of the creepiest parts of the movie. She goes to turn, like, get her studio all turned out for the night or whatever. She goes in there, and her mother is standing in this, her dead mother (laughs) is standing in this dark corner, and she's smiling, and it comes out of nowhere. Like, literally, it's just, it just happens. (laughs) In my notes, I wrote, her mom is standing in the corner, Jesus Christ, turn on the fucking light. (laughs) And then she turns on the light. The light will save you. Right. She turns on the light and of course she's not there. That's where I noticed that this movie, the atmosphere gets to you. It just, it like physically makes my shoulders go up. Call that shoulder syndrome. Yeah. I I mean, it's just, I'm like, eh, it's very, it puts you on edge. 
So then they show diorama, I guess is what you could call them. It must be from something that happened in her life, but Annie is breastfeeding her daughter and then the little model of her mom has like her boob out like she's going to do it too. I didn't notice that. Yeah. Mm. It's so weird. I was like, why? Why? Oh, so that's your first indication that things are kind of weird. Their son is like a typical teenager. They almost overdo it like he's like a typical teenager he smokes pot we get it there's like i think at least six instances in this movie where they show him either smoking pot or talking about pot yeah it's like okay it doesn't really matter so something that they're showing peter smoking a bowl and blowing it outside Mm -hmm. something that i noticed that i didn't notice when we watched it in the theater was when you're outside looking in on peter blowing the smoke there's somebody's breath that's like, if they're like watching him. Oh! And oh. you can see that there's a light on in their treehouse. Yeah. And it's like someone's in the treehouse, like, watching him. And I didn't notice that before. Creepy. But I noticed it the second time. Okay. Yeah. Stephen, Annie's husband, gets a phone call from the, the funeral home or the cemetery. And you don't know what it's about. He's just like, oh my gosh, really? Well, it's only been a couple days. And he just doesn't tell Annie about it. She goes to the support group. She starts going off about everything in her family. Charlie has this weird tick where she like clicks her mouth. She goes, that it kind of becomes a theme throughout the movie. The son says, you know, Peter says, I want to go to a party. But he lies to his mom and says that it's like a school barbecue. And so Ain't no she, school having a barbecue. School's having a barbecue at like eight o'clock at night. Sure. Seems totally plausible. And in my head, I'm going, if he would have just been like, mom, I want to go to a party. She probably would not have made Charlie go with him Mm -hmm. because she says, well, you need to take your sister. And he's like, fine. He doesn't want to, but he does. Then it shows Peter driving out to this party with his sister in their Volvo. I don't know where they live because every time they're driving somewhere, they're like out in the middle of nowhere. Mm -hmm. Like, it's so weird. I have no idea where this movie is set. Maybe... Utah. Possibly. <laughs> or Montana. I, <laughs> yeah. got, I got a very kind of northwesty yeah. vibe, but a little a bit more east. Yeah. yeah. Like I will say, <laughs> I put in my uh, my notes, I said dork level 9,000 taking your sister to a party. <laughs> yeah. And they show up and it's all the, like older kids yeah, like and they're schoolers. drinking beer. And for some reason, there's this girl pounding a knife on a butcher block, chopping up nuts. Yeah. And she's, like, going at it. Yeah. Like, bam, 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 bam. They actually show that in the trailer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought it was Tony Collette's character doing Yeah. It. Like, but, somebody was crazy. Yeah. But there's this girl. She's just having a blast chopping up these nuts. And there's a lot of nuts. There's like, a lot. Like, a lot. lot. I was like, why are there so many nuts? Yeah. Um, <laughs> But, you know, as we know, Charlie is allergic, so foreshadowing yeah so they get to this party and it's all these people the girl's chopping up nuts and the guy that or the girl the guy that peter likes the girl that peter likes uh asks him if he wants to go smoke because he says that he's got weed mm-hmm. he tells charlie to like hang out and she's like i don't want to be here and and he's like look they're giving out cake <laughs> Right? He totally what? knows that his sister is like a sucker for chocolate. chocolate. So he's, he's like, look, there's they're, cake. They're giving it to everybody. And she's like, no, they're not. And I noticed that he talks to his sister like a dog. At one point he goes, go on, Charlie. I'm like, she's not a she's dog. She's your sister. Stop talking to her like that. So then, of course, the cake 
has nuts, nuts in, it. in it. And she's like, she reminds me of one of those people that has like a breathing problem when you're eating. Mm-hmm. Like you can't breathe out of your nose. Mm-hmm. And so she's like, <laughs> yeah, and eating so, cake. So then she goes upstairs and she's like, Charlie, I don't, I don't feel good. I, something feels wrong. And he's like, what? And she's like, it feels like my throat is getting bigger. Well, then, of course, oh, my God, you know, she's having an allergic reaction. She's going into anaphylaxis. He picks her up. He picks her up. And carries her to the car like she's a little baby, which I'm like, good job, buddy. Right. So I'm just going to say this. This is spoilers. So if you guys haven't seen it, stop listening. Go watch it. You know, but there's there will be spoilers. And you don't want this movie spoiled. Honestly, like you really don't. Part of the reason I think that makes this movie good is if you watch it for the first time, you have no idea what's coming. So Mm -hmm. spoiler alert. So they're driving. She's obviously in really intense anaphylaxis. Kicking her legs. She She rolls the window down and she's like sticks her head out to get more air, which I mean, kind of makes sense, but not, I don't know. I've never been in anaphylactic shock, so. And in my notes, (laughs) I have written, your sister is dying, you idiot, call 911. Which I'm like, why didn't you just call 911? I get it. You're a minor at a party where there's alcohol, but your sister is dying. Yeah. And he's like, we're almost to the hospital, Charlie. I'm like, no, you're in the middle of nowhere. I don't see any city lights, bro. So then out of nowhere... Oh, God. He swerves to hit, not hit something. It's a deer in the middle it's of the a, road. It's a dead deer in the middle of the road. Her head hits a telephone pole and comes completely off. Just clean off. Clean off. And I remember when we saw it, the you sound. and I were both like, <gasps> oh, God. oh, my God. Like, it comes out of nowhere. And I will say, Alex Wolf acting in this scene is amazing. Mm -hmm. Like, he just sits there, and he doesn't say anything. His eyes well up with tears. He doesn't even look in the back seat, and he just drives home, and leaves her head there. Mm -hmm. When he gets home, in my notes, I said, wait, did he just leave his sister's headless corpse in the back of their Volvo? Yeah, he just gets out, and goes inside, and lays down like it didn't happen. But, shock is a hell of a thing. Oh, for when sure. you're in shock like that, like something that crazy happens. Mm-hmm. I remember when my dog Apollo died, I went into shock and I honestly didn't eat anything for days. Yeah. No. I lost 10 pounds because I forgot. I just forgot to eat mm-hmm. because I wasn't hungry because I was in shock that this big, huge part of my life was now gone. Yeah. It's very weird and very fascinating what your body does to protect you while you're in a a very traumatic situation. So basically he just goes inside and goes to sleep. And the next thing they show is the next morning, his mother. She's, she's like, I'm going out for a bit. I'll be back. Like she, she goes to get in the car. And and they don't show her like finding it, but you hear it. And then they show her head on the side of the road. And it's got fucking bugs everywhere. It's covered in ants. It's like her jaw is almost completely off. I was like, Oh my God. And I will say I was so, I was just, I felt so bad because Tony Collette is like screaming. It's like almost inhuman. And it's like, I can't imagine losing your child. I mean, that is probably one of the most painful things that you can go through as a parent. She is like screaming and she's on the floor and she's just, she's so in it. And I was like, holy crap, that is crazy. And then They show another word is carved into the wall. And I'm like, what is this? Like, 
what is this? So now Tony Collette is obviously, she's kind of starting to slowly lose it and she's sleeping in the treehouse because that's where Charlie used to sleep. And once again, their son is smoking pot. <clears throat> I don't, I don't know. <laughs> he gets home from school and the mom's just like chilling in the car that her daughter's body was in. She's yeah. just sitting there and you're like, okay. She goes to another grief support group and she doesn't go in. She just kind of sits in her car. And then Joan, <laughs> Joan character, pops up. And she's like, oh, hi, you know, oh, I've, I've, I've seen you, you know, you're, you know, you've been at this group before and Tony Collette really, really doesn't know how to act. You know, she's like, oh, you were here about your mother. And she goes, yeah, but my daughter was recently killed. And her face, when she says that, that was obviously the first time that she had actually said that out loud mm-hmm. since it happened. Because her face is just like, it, it was like she realized it. Mm-hmm. Joan seems nice. <laughs> She seemed super nice. You know, she's like, you know, here, you know, I'm going to give you my phone number if you ever need anybody to talk to because her son and her grandson died. And they drowned. They, yes, they drowned. Said. So now apparently she can only sleep in the treehouse. Uh, she tries to sleep in bed with her husband and then she gets up and he's like, where are you going? She goes, I'm going out to the treehouse. Well, why? Well, because I can't really sleep in here and I need to sleep. So he he lets her. Peter is obviously really messed up over this. Yeah, it keeps showing him at school and he just like, he looks at his reflection at one point and it's like smiling back at him. And so then Annie goes to hang out with Joan at her house and Joan has this welcome mat outside of her door and Annie's like, oh, my mom used to embroider ones just like that. Not foreshadowing at all. Annie describes almost killing her children while she's sleepwalking. I thought it was just Peter that they co- that she covered in paint thinner. Was it just him? I it, thought was it was just like, him because yeah. he woke up when she lit the match. Yeah. So basically Annie was sleepwalking. She covered Peter and herself in paint mm-hmm. thinner. Woke up just as she was about to light them both on fire. Mm-hmm. I will just say this. The subconscious is a bitch. That obviously means that there's a lot of unresolved trauma surrounding her and her son. Which they don't really explain until the end. This is my psychology to great work, by the way. <laughs> so then next in my notes, I say, come on, Gabriel burning his button downs. <laughs> Sorry, it's the old man crush coming up. Then she makes like a little diorama or a little model of her daughter. The scene. The scene, basically. like her daughter headless. The murder scene. And her husband is like, what the fuck are you doing? Which I was like. Yeah, no, dude, I have the same question. What are you doing? She's like, well, it's a neutral view of the accident. What? What do you mean neutral view of the accident? Like, this is like your daughter dying in a horrible way. And I get it. People deal with grief very differently. But wow. So then we get to the scene that I think is probably one of the best scenes in the whole movie. It's the whole family actually getting together and having dinner for the first time after after this has happened. Mm Mm-hmm. The cinematography in the scene, the sound design, the acting. I mean, there's a huge elephant in the room. Mm-hmm. And Tony Collette's monologue is oh, just she to die for. She snaps. Like, she just snaps. And at one point, she says something about that fucking face on your face. <laughs> and I, I didn't want to laugh because I was like, it's not funny, but it kind of was because that just made me giggle. All of the noises with like the silverware on the plates and the chewing noises, it's just so heightened. And that was one moment when I found my shoulders just up so high because I'm just like, oh my God. The fact that she has this whole monologue about how she's so angry that this happened and she can't forgive her son for doing this, even though... You can tell that's all he wants. 
She just sits down like she didn't just shit all over her son. And then he sticks up for himself because yeah. she's she said something about it being his fault. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's like, well, what about you, mom? And she's like, what do you mean, what about me? And he's like, she didn't want to go to the party. Yeah. And Tony Collette was like, her face said, oh, yeah. I'm going to fucking rip you apart. She didn't, yeah, of course. Steven, but... Steven actually is just like, that's enough. She gets up and leaves. And it's so sad because Steve, like, grabs his son's hand. And you can tell that he just, he doesn't hold his son liable for this, but she obviously does. And that, I think, compounds on the already trauma that she has surrounding her son. Because I think that there is some, but they get to that actually later. So then she goes and she's picking up art supplies. And Joan just happens to be there. And she's so excited to see her you know, Annie's like, what the hell? She is excited to see her because she had a seance. She met this group of people and they had a seance and she talked to her dead grandson. So she's like, no, you should come over and we'll do it. And I'm like... She met a spiritual medium who showed her how to do something. Right. She goes over to her house and this is about halfway through the film. They have a seance and Joan's like dead grandson like shows up and he like writes on... They like have a glass and he moves the glass and... He writes on a chalkboard. And I, wrote, I love you, grandma. Yeah, I wrote in my notes, I said, Joan gets her dead grandson to show up. Thanks. I hate it. <laughs> um, Tony Collette can't deal with it. Like, she just can't deal with it. So Joan's like, it's okay. It's fine. I understand. I was the same way. Here is the instructions to do the seance. Are you kidding me? <laughs> you can um, do it yourself with just these three simple steps. Right. So then she goes to bed, wakes up. And there's like ants crawling all over her bed. And it's like, oh God, what's happening? And so then she follows them and they lead into her her son's bedroom and he's covered in ants. Like they're coming out of his mouth, out of his nose, out of his eyes. I was like, oh my God. She was like sleepwalking, you know, Mm -hmm. and she's like, is Charlie here? No, bitch, she's dead. She's not here. This, this part. Oh God, it was so terrible. She like yells at her kid that she never wanted to be his mother. But then she covers covers up her mouth like, oh shit, yeah. I didn't mean to say yeah, that. Yeah, she was like, oh God. And then she's like, it wasn't my fault. I tried to stop it. And she, he's like, what do you mean you tried to stop it? She's like, I tried to miscarry. I did everything that they told me not to. Like he's screaming. crying. He's crying. She's, she's screaming. screaming. And all of a sudden they're wet. Yeah. And like she lights cut. a match and you're like, oh no. But then it was all a dream. What's all a dream? Was all a dream. Once again subconscious as a bitch it'll get you every time now she's waking everybody up in the middle of the night and i'm like has she completely totally lost it yes she has so she's like getting everybody up and i said get up everyone we're gonna have a family seance to contact your dead sister sister oh the dead yeah. sister yes <laughs> peter's um, sister so steve's reaction was kind of like my reaction he just goes oh for fuck's sake <laughs> was like yeah Yeah, no, I feel you there, dude. While they're doing it, Peter says, the air is flexing. Apparently the dead girl's in the house. Peter is super upset. Things are breaking. Candle flares up. She starts, like, talking, like, in Charlie's voice. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. I don't like this at all. Steve, like, throws water on her and she wakes up or whatever. And you're like, what the? Oh, God. She's like, what happened? So then Peter is in class and he sees, like, these lens flares. J.J. Abrams, is that you? (laughs) What are these lens flares? So that's when he looks at his reflection and it's smiling. Steve calls her about something or he asked something about Peter and she goes, Charlie? 
And he's like, no, no, I'm not talking about our dead daughter right now. I'm talking about the child that's still alive. So then she starts losing it. She destroys everything in her studio, except their little house model that they have. I don't know why she didn't destroy that. Steve walks in, he goes, the fuck happened to you? I was like, no girl, I wanna know what happened to you too. Steve, like Peter has a little model of himself that's laying on a bed and he doesn't have a head. And I was like, oh, that's nice. Steve's sleeping on the couch because he's like, I don't want to deal with this crazy ass bitch anymore. Ghost Jarley is drawing things in this little sketchbook. So that's something also that we forgot to mention is Charlie carries around a sketchbook with her and sketches like people and things. And Mm -hmm. that's like kind of her lifeline, Mm -hmm. so to say. Like for me, it would be my planner. Yeah. (laughs) Because I like to write things down and be notated and everything like that and color-coded but for charlie it's her little notebook that she draws pictures in so annie goes in and here she hears a pencil Mm -hmm. she hears you know the sound of a pencil drawing something and she goes in and the notebook is filled with new photo new pictures Mm -hmm. peter has a vision of charlie standing in the corner of his room and he's like god he's like charlie and then her head falls off yeah. And then somebody's like choking him from behind the bed, like trying to pull his head off almost. Yeah. And he wakes up and his mom is standing in his room. And of course he thinks she was trying to do it. She's like, no, I have to burn this book, you know? And so she throws it in the fire, but she catches on fire. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh my God, like what, what's happening? So I'm like, so is the book like a voodoo doll? And Annie, at this point, she just starts to look progressively crazier. And then this is when things start to get insane this is when the insanity starts so she goes to visit joan and she's like banging on her door banging on her door but they show the inside of her apartment she's a member of this crazy cult her mother was also a member of mm-hmm. and there's candles lit everywhere and there's like flowers a, a pinnacle and... but it all has like peter's picture all around it mm-hmm. and you're like oh my gosh what what is going on so then here's to you Mrs. Robinson. (laughs) (laughs) So then Peter's just sitting there at school outside, like eating his lunch. And Joan is across the street and she's yelling at Peter. She's like, Peter, I expel you. And like nobody else notices what's going on. Oh yeah, it's all coming together. Mm -hmm. Like this is when things start getting together. Annie goes home, finds, she goes through her mom's stuff and finds books and photo albums. And she puts together that her mother is part of this like demon worshiping cult. And Joan was like her best friend. Like they were like BFFs. Her grandmother was like the main person in this cult and her family was like the center of it. Yeah, there's this photo that they kind of hone in on and it's her mom sitting in a chair in this white dress and gold coins are being sprinkled over her. Like, thanks for sacrificing your family for the cause. Right. So then they mentioned at one point earlier that there's like a smell that's in the house Mm -hmm. and they're like, what is that? So now Tony Collette goes up into the attic and there are a bunch of flies, which can only mean one thing. Grandma's dead body is in the fucking attic De- and has been there. Decapitated dead body. And she is decapitated and has been there for a very long time. So they show you that and you're like, okay. <laughs> Peter is really, really struggling. He hears his sister's little mouth click noise. He's in the middle of class, by the way. Then he like, puts his hand up, but he, his face 
is like super distorted and weird. It looks like he's about to do a marionette doll dance. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. And then his face gets slammed on his desk twice. And then he like comes out of it and he's just screaming. So then Annie's running around outside in the rain. Steve is drinking in his office, which I don't blame him. And then Peter's face is totally messed up. Steve goes to pick him up. His nose is obviously super broken. And they're stopped at a stoplight and Steve just starts sobbing. And that's the first time in the movie that you actually see him emote. And it's really heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. Like he's, I mean, it's just, it's so sad. Annie's crazy. And like, she runs outside and he's like, she's like, oh my God, what happened? What's wrong with him? And I'm like, girl, now you're, you're concerned about your son. You weren't really concerned about him before, mm-hmm. but now you are. I'm very, con- I'm confused. And so then she's telling Steve that her mom's dead body is upstairs. It's upstairs. She's, go look at it. You have go to see look at it. it. You have to see it. All this stuff. And then I noticed that all of their furniture is moved around. Which, when did that happen? I don't know when that happened. So all the furniture is moved around. And so you hear him go upstairs and then you hear him go, ah! <laughs> like, he, he found the body and he's like, oh my God, what, what's going on? What's going on? I don't understand. And then Steve thinks that she did it. Mm-hmm. At this point, kind of before all this, he gets a email from the funeral home. Steve does. Steve does, the cemetery. And it shows pictures of his mother-in-law's grave dug up. And that's what the phone call in the beginning was about. Was that her grave a desecrated was... desecrated grave. Yeah, her, her grave was dug up. He thinks that she did it. And he is done done with everything like he's like you're crazy i can't believe you did this she's like my mom made a pact with this king payman who apparently is a he's one of the eight kings of hell i guess you know he we made a pact and there was a sacrifice and all this stuff and in my notes i put steve believe your wife she's not crazy and Tony Collette was so good in this whole thing when she's trying to convince him. And then she's like, you have to throw this book into the fire Just so it will it kill me. do it for me, me please. And do she's it. Like, I can't do it. Yeah. And so he's like, no, I'm not putting up with your shit any longer. That's it. I'm done. She grabs the book from him, throws it in the fire, and Steve's on fire. Steve just, it's not even like a little fire. It's like he gets incinerated immediately. Burst into flames. And she is screaming. Uh, Annie is screaming in terror. And then all of a sudden this light comes over her and her face just falls. And she has the blankest expression you've ever seen her make in the whole movie. It cuts to her son just wakes up. It's nighttime. You're like, oh, geez, you know, he's been sleeping for a while. But... One of the craziest shots in the whole movie. So they show the outside of the house a lot. And they show it in the day. And then they show it at night. And there are all of these naked people standing outside of their house. Yeah, just chilling. Just standing there. Chilling in the nude. And I didn't even realize that. It took me a minute to realize it in the theater. My husband actually leaned over and said, hey, do you see all those people? And I was like, oh, no. Like, it was so creepy. So then he wakes up. And his mother is just chilling on the ceiling. She's like in the corner of his bedroom on the ceiling, just sitting there. So funny story about this scene. I go out of town probably every couple months or so. And I leave Chase at home with our dog Freya. And one of the things that gets him when I'm gone is when he goes into our bedroom is he remembers this scene and he checks the ceiling for Tony Collette. Yeah. <laughs> Which 
It goes to bed. We don't want Tony Collette on the ceiling. That's a bad, that's a bad night. What you doing up there, Tony? Yeah. So then he's like, hello, is anybody here? You know, he, he has no idea what is going on or what has happened. And then when he like goes to leave the room, she just runs along the wall. Yeah. So like, and you're like, um... And she kind of has a fluttering, like, not a jacket, but like a cardigan. Yeah. It's like a white cardigan. So you see that fluttering as she kind of runs gracefully by. runs out of the room. And then he goes into his parents' room and there's like a little, like kind of a curio cabinet that's sitting off to the side. And there's somebody standing in the corner and you can see it in the mm-hmm. reflection. Mm-hmm. I didn't see that until I watched this last night. And I was like, <gasps> there's somebody in the corner. <laughs> and then I said, Peter, my dude, get out of the fucking house. So then he goes downstairs and finds his mom or his, no, dad, his dad on the floor. And he's like, what is happening? Did you order your father extra crispy? Oh my God. And then his mom, once again, is up on the fucking ceiling. Just, you know. Just chilling. Chilling up there. And he turns around and there is a naked man standing in the doorway, just yep. smiling at him. And you're like, what? Why is he naked? Why is he smiling? Yeah. What is happening? Well, then his mother starts to chase him. Well, you, you hear like a thud. Yeah. And he turns and she starts coming at She's him. Just coming. Just rambling, like just at him. And so he runs up into the attic, shuts the attic door, and she's on the ceiling where the attic door is, banging her head against the door mm-hmm. to try to like get it. It's absolutely. As if she was doing it on the floor, but she's yeah. up on the ceiling. It's Because terrifying. gravity does not apply to demon-possessed moms. No, it doesn't. <laughs> He's up there, and there's like all these candles lit, and you're like, what? What's going on? He's gonna find Headless Grandma. Headless body is gone. Grandma has left the chat. <laughs> Your grandmother has left the chat. And his picture is laying there, but the eyes are like gouged out. Yeah, and you're like, like oh, geez. And then you hear this noise, and it's like a and you're like oh god what is it and he turns around and his mother is floating Floating. in the air cutting her head off with a wire like a garrote wire Mm -hmm. and she's just going back and forth just like this and you're just oh god and it was just i mean it's awful it's awful because she goes like really, really slow and then she starts going faster. She starts going faster and he he jumps out the window. Well, he jumps out the people when the na- there's more naked smiling people and he sees them and he just jumps out the window and I was like, good and job. And then the, the sawing goes faster and faster and all of a sudden you just hear the sound of her head falling off. Yeah. You don't see anything. You just hear yeah. that her head has come off. Yes. So he jumps out the window. In my head, I was like, did that kill him? Because then this little weird floaty light thing Mm -hmm. hits his body and he kind of like wakes up. Oh, that's weird. And then he sees his mother's headless body floating up into the treehouse. And as he's walking. What do you do? Yeah. You follow it. And as he's walking to the treehouse, there are more naked smiling people just hanging out all around. And this is where the movie gets a little convoluted for me. And then they show the dead dog. And I was like, fuck you guys. Yeah. They kill the dog. That's rude. Uh, you know, I don't really care about the people, but I do care about the dog. <laughs> he goes up into the treehouse. His There's like an effigy. All these naked people are bowing to this effigy of Charlie's head. Mm-hmm. They found her head. Put it on this effigy. And they're like bowing to it. And what, from what I understand, Charlie was supposed to be a boy because... King Payman covets the male body. Young male bodies. Young male bodies. And Charlie was chosen 
out by her grandmother to be this sacrifice for, or this inhabitant for this demon. It was inhabited, it inhabited Charlie until she died, Mm -hmm. essentially. And then they had to find a new body for it. And luckily they had one. I know at one point when she's going through her mother's stuff, she finds those weird welcome mats that her mom used to embroider. And there was one for her and it says Annie. And then there was one for Charlie, but it says Charles. Yeah. So what I am assuming is that Charlie was actually supposed to be a boy and she wasn't. They realized that, oh, well, they're going to need a male body eventually. And then when she dies, they decide that Charlie is now going to be in this body and King Payman will also have this body. Um, his grandmother and his mother's bodies are also... They're bowing. Bowing. They're like bowed... Both headless. Both headless towards the the effigy. His grandmother was like the queen of some sort. And now he gets this crown. And basically it's Charlie is now in Peter's body. And he's Payman, one of the eighth kings of hell. That's the and, end. Well, they are all hailing Payman. Hail King Payman! Everybody is hailing Payman, hailing mm-hmm. Payman, hailing Payman. And then all of a sudden it's done. Mm-hmm. And I will say uh, the music... In this last part, really annoyed the crap out of me. Because it was very happy and floaty. Yeah. And then they play some weird folk song over the credits, and I was like, why? Why, why is that a thing? What are, what are your thoughts? I want to hear your thoughts on this. My thoughts? Mm-hmm. When we first went and saw it in the theater, I wasn't really in the mindset of like, I don't like to think about movies. I don't like them being a thinker. I'm one of those people that wants it to just be in my face of what it's supposed to be. So immediately I was annoyed Mm -hmm. with all of these little tiny uh, breadcrumb things. Mm -hmm. So I was already annoyed. And then with the ending, I was very just like, all right, I'm done. Right. Like, I'm done with this. I didn't really like it at first. I remember leaving the theater and me looking at you and being like, what the fuck was that? I know, you you weren't very happy with it. No, uh, but then I watched it a second time and because I was analyzing it a little bit more because I knew we were going to be talking about it, I actually liked it more when I watched it the second time. I, I did too. I, you know, I, I was kind of with you. It, it made you think. And I'm all for thinking when it comes to horror movies specifically, but I felt it was a little too up its own ass at the first part when I first watched it. And I also felt it was way too long. And I have been finding that more and more with horror movies, you know, these two and a half, two hour horror movies, it doesn't need to be that long. And I felt that this movie could have really benefited from some time on the editing floor. I think that Ari Aster is a very visual director and he loves to show off his sets. And there was a lot of slow panning in this movie. The cinematography was actually really good, but it just took him forever to get to the point with some of these shots. And I think that if they would have been a little bit tighter, I would have liked the movie more. But I did enjoy it more after the second viewing. And I think it was because I was able to pick up on a lot of little nuances that I wasn't before. I like this movie. There are elements of it that I don't really like, but I think all in all, it was a a pretty decent movie for his first shot at, at horror. It is not this generation's exorcist. I think that is a ton of hyperbole. And I think that this movie was a lot of hype. It was built up very, very well. The marketing for it was great with the whole heart monitor thing. It was not as scary as it was built up to be. So that's my thoughts on it. Okay, so now we're going to talk about... Midsommar. Yes, uh, Ari Aster's second film. Yep. So this stars Florence Pugh, plays Danny. 
She was in Fighting With My Family. She played Paige. It's a WWE movie um, about Paige's life. Also stars Jack Rayner, who plays Christian, who is Danny's boyfriend. He was Shane Dyson in Transformers Age of Extinction. Also stars Will Poulter. You might know him as Kenny from We Are the Millers. He gets his dick bitten by a spider. <laughs> I and forgot it's, about that. It's hilarious. He's actually the comic relief in this movie. He's actually one of my favorite characters yeah. in this movie because he has such good one-liners. He does. He has a lot of good and one-liners. And it's like in the background, like you hear him just like make a stupid joke. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's actually really funny. And then also stars William Jackson Harper. He's actually Cheaty from The Good Place. And he was Chase's least favorite character. Yeah. He he was. I didn't like him either. He wasn't great. Uh, I mean, he's a great actor, but his character was just a douche. Yeah. But the biggest douche, of course, being Christian, Danny's boyfriend. Oh, God. He's awful. He's terrible. So let's get into it. Danny, it starts out, is obviously having issues with her bipolar sister. Mm -hmm. She sent her an email saying, I'm done. Mom and dad are coming too. Like, I'm just, I'm done. Mom and dad are coming too. So it's like she had her fight with her parents and she has decided to kill herself, basically, is what the email implies. Yeah. The, she's really upset. She's trying to talk to Christian about it, but she calls him Christian, which really annoyed me. Um, <laughs> like, his name's Christian, it's bitch. Christian. It's Christian. Get it right. Uh, she's trying to talk to Christian about it. Christian is very obviously, like, not into it. He's like, oh, it's not a big deal. She's made threats like this before. And Danny's like, yeah, but this feels different. It just feels yeah. different. And, and he's also hanging out with all of his friends at this point. So, you know, he really doesn't want anything to yeah. do with mm-hmm. what she's doing right now. And it goes, it pans to him, and he's talking to his friends, and his friends are like, she sucks, maybe you should get a girlfriend that likes sex. And it's like, oh, okay, okay bro. Wow. Like, all right. She obviously is having a hard time. And then it pans to her, and she's talking to one of her friends on the phone, and she's like, oh, no, what if I scared him away by my neediness? And na, 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 na. And her friend's like, he's your boyfriend. He should deal with it. Like, right. you know, he should be there when you need him. Mm-hmm. We don't know how long they've been together at this point. No. It says later in the movie, but based on how long they've been together that you find out later in the movie... He should have given a fuck. Right. He really should have. Like, they've been together for a minute. A hot minute. Like, wasn't it a couple of years? It was like four years. Four years. At that point, you're invested, bro. Yeah. Like, you're in it. Either get out or get or in. Or get in. So it shows her, like, going through the email after she gets off the phone with her friend. And she's like, you know, I'm really worried about you. Message me back. And it keeps kind of going back and forth to the house and it shows the parents are asleep and then all of a sudden she gets a phone call you hear her screaming and crying and as we talked about Tony Collette doing a really good job with the screaming Danny's character also does a very good job screaming she like has an asthmatic cough while she's screaming and I'm just like I mean I have asthma and that's how I cough so I immediately was like okay I get it. Yeah. Florence Pugh has asthma and, and she can make this cough. <laughs> and they show and they show the like cops in the house. It's actually the fire department. Is it the, fire the fire department, department gets called That's because right. it's a carbon monoxide leak. She yes. has hooked the hose up to both of the cars that were in in the garage. 
ran the hoses up to her parents' room, duct taped them off, so she killed her parents, both, and then it shows that she hooks the hose up to herself, her face, duct tapes it on her face, her eyes are open, and it's just an intense scene, and you're hearing... Florence Pugh just like screaming and you see Christian holding her but he very clearly doesn't want to be there it's just like (sighs) okay well this is how this movie is gonna go yeah that scene honestly is probably one of and I don't know why is one of the creepiest scenes that I have ever seen in a movie. Well, you and I both looked at each other oh and we like, oh my we god. We were both like, oh Jesus, because that is a way. I mean, good job for grabbing people and getting them in because that hooked me. I was like, oh man, this movie's gonna be insane. Mm-hmm. Like, just to start with that. Yeah. Oh, okay. So then it pans out. So it's like a few months later. Danny is laying in bed and she's very clearly depressed. And Christian comes in and he, she's like, oh, where were you? And he's like, oh, I'm thinking about I'm going to go to this party. And she's like, oh, what party? And, and he's like, oh, just a friend party. And she's like, can I come? And he's like, oh, I didn't think you'd want to come. She's like, no, I'll go. And so they go to this party. You kind of see her just kind of standing there and stuff in the background is very kind of garbled and then you hear that somebody says that Christian and his friends are going to go to Sweden for a few weeks and she snaps out of whatever trance she was in and she's like oh you're going to Sweden and he's like thinking about it yeah maybe maybe uh, yeah it's been talked about and they're like uh we bought the tickets we're leaving in two weeks Uh, and he he's like yeah maybe maybe we will like acting like what the heck man like you bought the tickets you're obviously gonna go and so they come home from the party and he's like what's wrong with you and she's like i just wish she would have told me about it and he's like it's really not a big deal i mean it is a big deal like if i was going somewhere i would have told you and he's making it this huge thing like she's a crazy bitch for being upset that he didn't tell her he was going to a foreign country for weeks she immediately is like oh i'm sorry i'm sorry i didn't mean to make it a big, it's not a big deal. I love you so much. Like, Danny, get yourself a new boyfriend. I know, right? I, Jesus. The entire time I'm just like, um, if my boyfriend was like, if something like that had happened to me, and sure, she's having some issues getting over it, but I think anybody would. Yeah. If my boyfriend had been like, by the way, I'm going to go to Sweden for a couple months, I would have been like, okay, well, you won't have a girlfriend when you come back. Yeah. Just so you know. Yeah. So then it pans to Christian hanging out with his friends. He's like, oh, Danny's here. And just so you know, I invited her to Sweden. She's probably not going to come, but... I invited her and all of his friends were like, what the fuck, man? This is supposed to be like our thing. And you invited your girlfriend who they don't even like, by the way, because they think she's too needy. But he goes down to get her. He brings her back up. And they're very obviously pissed that she's there. But they're like, oh, we hear you're coming to Sweden. And she's like, yeah, I mean, I think I am. Yeah, I think so. Christian and one of his other friends kind of go off. She sits down with his friend who's actually from Sweden. Pele! And he is like, I didn't say this, but I was really sorry to hear about your family. And she like implodes for some reason. And it shows her go, she's like, I'm, I just need to go to the bathroom. She goes into the bathroom, starts to cry. And then all of a sudden it's like, she's crying in the bathroom on the plane on the way there. Yeah. And during, when she's talking to Pele, he's talking about what this midsummer celebration is. 
And apparently he lives on like an ancestral commune. So it's like all of these different families that live together. He says that it occurs every 90 years. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, she's like, oh, okay. It's huh? special. Sounds fun, you know? Yeah. So, so they go to Sweden. They go to Sweden. They get there. They get in a car and they're like, how long is it going to take for us to drive there? And he's like, four hours. They're driving for hours and hours and they get there and it's just in the middle of a fucking field. Like, there, it's just this gravel road in the middle of a field, and there's, like, people just kind of scattered around, hanging out, and he introduces them to his, he calls him his brother. I don't think he's actually his brother. Ingmar. It's, Ingmar is his uh, communal brother. Mm -hmm. um, and then they offer the group a psychedelic, mm -hmm. I'm assuming mushrooms. Uh, and Danny doesn't want to do it. She's mm -hmm. like, I want to get my bearings, you know. And, and so Christian is like, okay, I'll wait for you. And his friends are like, man, we're going to have a totally separate trip then. And they're all kind of, everybody's being dicks about it. Yeah. And finally, Danny is like, it's okay. I'll, I'm ready. And so they give her a tea. And then it pans to them, like, all tripping out. Oh, they are off of their shit. So they're just kind of... <laughs> hanging out there she looks down at her hand and it's like growing grass she's like i gotta get out of here so she like stands up and starts walking she thinks people are laughing at her but they're not and so she goes into this random shack that she finds turns on a light and there's somebody in in the mirror when she turns it's her the sister is it her sister it's her sister with the thing in her mouth and i was like no <laughs> yeah but then she like turns around and she's not there yeah. anymore so i'm like well that's strange she comes out and is, like, running and falls down and passes out. Yeah. They wake her up the next day, and she's like, did it get dark? Because it was like, it never got dark. Yeah. That's the whole thing about this movie is everything happens in the daytime, yeah. which makes it even creepier. She's like, how long have I been here? And they're like, how long did they say? Like, 12 hours? Oh, yeah, no, she, she was, like, done for. Like, yeah. Like, a, a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So they have all their bags. They're walking to this community. It's and beautiful. It's so gorgeous, just the bright scenery and in this movie is colorful and gorgeous. They go into this uh they're like this is where we sleep and it's like this giant barn. barn yeah. And it's got all these single beds in it and they say that this is where everybody sleeps. So it's like, okay, great. Then they go to um or Danny is looking at this wall and Christian and his friend are Pele are having conversation about it being Danny's birthday mm -hmm. and Christian forgot. Yeah. And Good job, dude. they've been together four years four and years. he forgot her birthday. What a day. So then he gets some kind of like cupcake sweet, puts a candle in it and tries to light it and it's not working. And he like, he's like, I'm sorry. And she's like, Oh no, it's fine. He's like, I'm sorry. No, I forgot. I thought it was yesterday. And I'm like, yesterday then you should have been on it yesterday not today right. so it just shows that he's like a shitty shitty person yes, yes then they go to have some kind of like meal it's in this real the table is in this really weird uh, shape shape it's like an x but then it's a diamond at the top and they're all just standing there and it's like they're waiting for people to show up. Mm -hmm. And these two elderly people show up. They're sitting at like thrones that are like the head of the yeah, table. Yeah, it's like the head of the table. And they can't, everybody can't sit down until they sit down. People can't start eating until they start eating. So it just kind of shows that. And then once they're done eating, they stand up and they walk over to these thrones. And they're lifted up on these thrones. 
everybody is confused. They're like, what's going on? What are, where are we going? And everybody's like, you'll see, you'll see. So they get to the base of this cliff and you're like, what's happening? What's going on? And I forgot to mention a key part on the way to the cliff. They're passing by this cage that's holding a bear people are like are we just gonna ignore the fact that there's a bear right there and they're like why it's a bear <laughs> like don't you have a bear don't, in your backyard don't you have a bear of course i have a what are, what are you talking about of course i have a bear <laughs> so they get to the base of this cliff and already i'm thinking someone's jumping off this cliff someone's, someone's getting tossed off this cliff you know, and everybody's at the base. All of these communal people are at the base, just looking up and smiling. And the rest of them are just kind of standing around like, what the heck is happening? It's these older people get up, walk to the edge of the cliff and jump. And the whole build up to it, people being like, what What the heck? The people that have come in from the outside. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ingmar brought two people from his college and Pele brought his um, four friends Mm -hmm. and everybody is like having this just reaction to seeing people jump off the cliff, except for Josh. Yeah. Who's played by William Jackson Harper, who was cheaty from the good place. He's just like, he's just uh, like, yep. Knew this was going to happen before when they were saying they were going to have some kind of, ceremony Danny's like do you know what's gonna happen to Josh and Josh is just like smiling yeah like like he knows what's going on he knows what's gonna happen lady jumps off face first and you see her land on the rock everything oh man her face is not there anymore and everybody's having their freak out moment and then the dude comes up and people are yelling at him not to jump and then the communal people are getting upset because this is considered a great honor Mm -hmm. in their culture the dude jumps off feet first feet first feet first lands breaks his legs doesn't die doesn't die he's like like Oh my God, what did I do? So then you see this guy with this giant hammer and Chase goes, oh, that's what the hammer's for. (laughs) Yeah, that's what the hammer's for. He walks up to him and they take turns hitting him in the head with this giant person-sized hammer and until he dies and it shows everything and you're just like, wow, I can't unsee that. Yeah, so there's a cult elder that explains to them that that's just what the Hargas do, that every member has to do the same thing when at the age of 72. That's just how long their life cycle is. Yeah, it's 0 to 18, you're considered a child. Mm-hmm. 18 to 36, you go to school uh, and basically try to recruit people for this cult. And then 36 to 52, you are a working member of the, member commune. Of the commune. And then 52 to 76, you're an elder. You're an elder. Yeah. And then once you hit the end of your 76-year-old lifestyle, you jump off a cliff and kill yourself. Yeah. Because you don't want to be a menace to your community. Right. Like, you get sick. People have to take care of you. Like, that just, that isn't how it works in this community. And Danny is really actually affected by this because of what happened with her sister and her parents. And But they decided to stay. Yeah. (laughs) So the two people that Ingmar brought from his school, they're Simon and Connie. Mm -hmm. They decide to leave. They're like, we're getting out of here. This isn't what we signed up for. You see Connie grabbing all her things. And she's like, I'm sorry we didn't get to know each other, Danny, but we're leaving. Where is Simon? And nobody can find Simon. 
And some of the community members are like, oh, he left. He went to the train station. He went to the train station. And Connie's like, no, he wouldn't have left me. Yeah. They're like, oh, no, he did, though. And she's like, I could have ridden on his lap. And they're like, we don't break traffic laws. (laughs) We allow people to jump off cliffs, but we don't break the law. (laughs) We don't break traffic laws. Right. Connie is deeply disturbed. So and then El- she decides to leave. She decides to just take off. Mm-hmm. It, it kind of goes on with the story. And later, everybody, it shows everybody hearing a woman scream. And they're like, what is that? People are just kind of like, oh, that's normal. <laughs> Whatever, it's fine. Whatever. <laughs> so they're all anthropology students. Yes. Um, all of the male, not all the male characters, but, um, Josh and Christian specifically. Josh and Christian specifically. Mark's just kind of there for a good time. Christian has decided that he is going to write his thesis on the Horga after... Josh has already said that he's going to. Like, that was the whole reason that he was going to go to Sweden was to write his thesis on these people. So Christian pulls a real dick move and is like, well, I'm going to write my thesis on it too. And he's like, I'm open to collaboration. And Josh is like, no, no, this was my idea. So they're kind of at each other. Josh really wants to... They have like a book. It's like all these runic practices. Mm -hmm. They're all based on paintings that were made by a member that was conceived through incest and they consider him to be kind of their oracle and he looks like elephant man he does i mean he he has a lot of facial deformities and so but they considered him to be like this oracle mark is such a <laughs> he's such a dumbass yeah so mark is like i got to go take a leak while they're all kind of like having this discussion of christian decides to write the thesis on the people mark goes to take a pee on the ancestral tree and the commune, they one so one person pissed. in particular is so pissed. Yeah. He's like, you're pissing on my ancestors. Because that's where they scatter all the ashes of their ancestors. Yeah. So it's like you peeing on a columbarium. Like, it's pretty messed up, actually. Yeah. Later on, they go to eat go to eat at this weird table again, the X with the diamond. Mm-hmm. And this girl comes over to Mark, the guy who peed on the tree. And she's like, come with me. I'll show you. And he's like, what? She's like, I'll show you. And he's like, I'm going to go with her. She's going to show me. And I was like, I don't understand that. Yeah. What is she going to show you, bro? <laughs> I don't understand that part. So yeah. anyways, they ask if they can take pictures of this book that Julie was explaining earlier that was no. made by the product of incest uh, oracle guy. Yeah. They say no, no. Absolutely no photos. So later on in the night, Josh is like, I'm going to go take pictures of this book anyways. Like so Josh sneaks into the temple to photograph the sacred runic text. He's distracted by a partially naked man. And I thought it was Mark at first. I did too. And I was like, whoa, what's wrong with his face? <sighs> but they had skinned Mark. He's wearing a Mark suit. And this guy was wearing a Mark suit. Went full Buffalo Bill. <laughs> and he hits Josh over the head. And then they drag him out of there. It took me so long to figure out that Chase actually told me this. He's like, they skinned the fool. Yeah. And I was like, what do you mean skinned the fool? There were these little kids running around earlier in the movie. Mm-hmm. And they're like, what are they doing? And they're like, they're playing skin, skin the, the fool. fool. Oh. Oh, okay. And yes. so Chase is like, oh, they skinned the fool. I was like, oh, you got 
that. And I didn't. Okay. Okay. <laughs> That's fine. Oh, geez. Um, so this is where things start to kind of happen. Yeah. Like a little, oh man. So the next day, Danny gets entered in a dancing competition. The maypole dance. The maypole dance. They give, they like, it shows them mixing up this like lemonade tea stuff. It's got, it looks like dandelion tea. Mm -hmm. They're like, it's going to give you strength. And I'm like, oh, more drugs. Yay. <laughs> Yay, more drugs. And they do this weird like breathing thing. Yeah. <gasps> yeah. It's so, I'm like, what is happening? They're, yeah. Ari Aster has a thing with vocal or like mouth ticks. It's and I weird. can do them all. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you can. Many sounds. <laughs> I can. So it shows if you fall, you're out of the competition. Mm -hmm. And they're all just kind of like holding hands and dancing Dance around. And it, they're doing it for hours and hours and hours. And at mm -hmm. one point, there's like seven of them left. All of a sudden, Danny is speaking Swedish. Yeah. And she's like, I can communicate with you. And it's like, you know, this trippy drug enhanced thing. Yeah. Danny ends up winning and is crowned the May Queen. May Queen. Which is an esteemed title in this uh, Horga cult. It's a big deal. And uh, at the same time, oh Christian, Christian is drugged, basically performs this sex ritual with a girl in the cult who has like Been got her eye on him. him. Yeah. It shows. But, yeah. There's a lot of people involved in this. Yeah. He walks in. He's in a robe. He mm -hmm. walks into this, another kind of barn type place. And there's women of all shapes, sizes, ages mm -hmm. in here. And a girl who is a redhead. And they're all naked. Yeah. All, all just chilling in the nude. Yeah. She's on a bed of flowers. And basically, it's like uh, he has to put a baby in her. Mm -hmm. Basically. And they show everything. everything. And like every sound the girl makes while they're having sex are the sounds that all the ladies yeah. make. They like, they like imitate her. It's <laughs> And one of them even like chants to her while it's happening. Yeah. At one point, this old broad goes up behind Christian, starts pushing on his ass. Yep. Like, do it better. Like, do it better. <laughs> Get in there. <laughs> yeah. And then all of a sudden he finishes and she like rolls on her back and like tucks her knees into her chest. She's like, I can feel the baby. Yeah. I don't think it works. I mean, I've heard it sometimes works like that, but for the most part, right. it doesn't happen like that. And at the same time, Danny has like this full on panic attack. I mean, she's like wailing and screaming at all of these women. So before that though, this is happening while yeah. she's doing May Queen stuff, which yes. is blessing the crops and being taken around in a Cinderella carriage, basically. Yeah. And it's pretty kind of crazy. And then she hears all this like sex noises coming from one of the barns. She and she's like, what's that? And the girl's like, it's not for us. So naturally, Danny wants to go over. Yeah. She goes and looks in the keyhole. She sees Christian having sex with this girl. And she goes into full-on breakout yeah, mode. Yeah, she like throws up. She She's throws like... up. She goes to the, they take her to the sleeping quarters and they all start crying with her, mm -hmm. all of the females that were in the make, Maypole dancing competition. And they all like start breathing the same way as her. They all start crying the same way as her. And it's just so like, I get it. They're, they're being empathetic mm -hmm. with her and she is so she doesn't have a community she doesn't have a family so mm -hmm. she's very easily swayed right so i'm like oh my god danny's gonna like drink the kool-aid right and i guess i should also mention pele the entire time has been sort of trying to undermine christian as Ooh, her boyfriend yeah low-key he's, he's been being the emotional support that she hasn't gotten 
from him. Mm-hmm. And she's to- I mean, she's totally drinking the Kool-Aid. At this point, she's like all in. Like, yeah. she's just like, yeah, no, this is great. Christian. So Christian, <laughs> he gets disordered. He like comes to or something mm-hmm. like that. Grabs his dick and runs out and is like running all over the place. Yeah. He finds he- Josh's leg. Oh, yeah. Buried He's in running like- around and he sees Josh's leg like buried in a garden like it's supposed to be there. And then he goes to hide in some kind of shed and he sees... It was Simon. And he is strung up. It's It's a ritually dismembered... It's basically a blood eagle. It's called a blood eagle. It's where they open your back, rip your rib cage out Mm -hmm. so that it looks like wings. Yeah. So your your lungs are up up. and it looks like you have wings in the back. And Chase had to tell me what it... It's a Viking ritual. Yes, it is. It is a Viking ritual. And it was something that wasn't done very often. It was, like, saved for, like, the worst people. And they, like, took his eyes out and put, like, flowers where his eyes should be. And he's still alive, Yeah, he's still breathing. Yes, it's crazy. And while he's, like, staring at this, he turns around and an elder, like, blows dust in his face. Merry Christmas! (laughs) Yeah, it's dust! Dust. And it paralyzes him. Mm -hmm. And you see this this elder walk over and close his eyes one by one. Mm -hmm. He's then in like this makeshift wheelchair and he's wheeled in front of Danny. Danny is like covered head to toe in flowers. And uh, something that we forgot to mention earlier, which seems to be the theme with me, <laughs> the flowers are like breathing. Yeah, they're like moving. It's like you're you're still in that like psychedelic drug-induced haze. Like the flowers yeah. are like moving and throbbing. And, and it like... happens during the maypole competition. It happens during the feast after all of the plants are moving the seat that Danny is in she like lifts her arm up and the plants lift up with it like everything is pulsating mm-hmm. and I think it's from the dandelion type tea that they make yeah. the flowers are still pulsating Christian is wheeled in front of Danny and they're explaining that nine human sacrifices must be offered the first four are the outsiders, Josh, Mark, Connie, and Simon, lured in by Pele and Ingmar. And the next four victims are actual members of the cult. Mm -hmm. Two sacrificed elders and two volunteers. Ingmar and then somebody we've never heard Mm -hmm. of before. Danny as May Queen has to choose the ninth and final person. They're like, either you can choose some some other uh, person. Or you can choose Christian. <laughs> she's like, fucking choosing Christian, yeah, bitch. She's like, fuck that guy. <laughs> yeah, fuck that guy. And so she basically chooses him to die. Mm-hmm. And she's very upset at first. And it shows the bear that we mentioned beforehand. They're like quartering the bear. Mm-hmm. They're taking this bear apart. They end up sewing Christian up inside this bear. Mm-hmm. And they're putting all of the sacrifices in this into this temple that's like a yellow yellow triangle building, yeah. basically. And you see it earlier, and she's like, oh, what's that? And Pele's like, eh, you'll that's find out. nothing. You'll, you'll find out later. And she's like, oh, okay. <laughs> so they put everybody in there. They give Ingmar and the other volunteer this drug, so hopefully they won't feel what's about to happen. Mm-hmm. And they light it on fire. Everything. And everybody dies that's in there that isn't already dead. And the cult is outside and they're wailing and they're, you know, 
feeling it. And of course, Danny's like sobbing and she's like horrified. But then she starts to smile. Yeah, because she's found this new family. Yeah. And I mean, this movie is one of those movies that you can look at in so many different ways. And there's so many different ideas and there's so many so many different things in this movie crazy it was too long it was oh my god it was over two and a half hours long yeah and didn't didn't need to be that long no i think everything could have been done in an hour and a half Mm -hmm. hour 45 minutes something like that Mm -hmm. i thought it was dragged out when we watched it together i didn't understand it no when i watched it the second time i was like oh i actually am kind of picking up more on said breadcrumbs you know whatever else and i actually i liked it better Uh, this seems to be a theme with me i like it better when i watch it a second time right i really love the setting i think that you know like i said ariaster really loves to show off his sets this was a beautiful setting everything was so colorful and bright when she was covered in those flowers oh when she's covered in those flowers and she's walking Mm -hmm. across the field as the temple the yellow triangle temple is on fire it's just like it's insane the way she's weighted down by these flowers and she's trying to trudge across the grass yeah initially i didn't like this movie Initially, when I watched it, I was like, this was too long. It was too drawn out. It was just, it was too much. But when I watched it a second time, I started to appreciate certain things about it. The thing is, is I'm always about like, you need to have characters that are likable because if you don't, then nobody's going to care what happens to them. They could die and you're like, okay, whatever. And there's no emotional attachment. The first time I watched this movie, I thought everybody sucked. Danny is stupid. Christian is stupid. They're all stupid. They all suck. And so I didn't have any attachment. The second time when I watched it, I understood why Danny was staying with Christian. I understood why, you know, she was like putting up with all of his bullshit because at that point that was kind of like really all she like knew and cared about and could like hold on to because she was, you know, grieving for her sister and her parents and that's all she really could grasp onto. As the movie starts to progress and Pele kind of starts to be like that emotional support that she needs, I was like, yeah, girl, get out of here. Like, don't stay with that dude. He's a douche. Like, go for that guy. He obviously likes you. And to see her, the way that she changes throughout all this and that she kind of like, like during the maple dance, she's having a really good time. Yeah. Like, she's like, yeah, this is fun. Like, I'm running around and high on whatever I'm high on. I'm gonna be the queen. (laughs) And, you know, then she becomes the queen and these people all look at her as she's like this, you know, beautiful maple queen. And, you know, they essentially just do everything for her and she's the center of attention and that kind of fulfills i think that need that she has so at the end she's like fuck that guy he cheated on me bye mm-hmm. kind of thing don't so, we all wish we could do that to men who have cheated on us for sure i wish <laughs> i could put them in a bear suit and burn them alive <laughs> i like this movie it is entirely too long um i think if yeah i'm with christine if it, it was like an hour an hour and a half it would have been actually really good there is a director's cut that's like 171 minutes like how much more film did you have yeah i think ari aster is definitely going to be a horror movie director to watch i think what he's going to do after this i think is going to be really interesting to see so we'll we'll see how that goes good job ari aster 
Good job. So that is it for this episode of Best Friends Horror Story Podcast. Hooray! Hooray! We made it through episode two. Um, you guys can find our podcast now. We are on Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Music, and Stitcher. Or if you're already listening to this on one of those, good on you and tell your friends. Right? Good job. Please rate us. We are right now on um, Podchaser, which is a actually really great website where you can go, and I like to think of it as the IMDb of podcasts. You can go rate, review, find all the things you need to find. We are on there, Best Friends Horror Story. You can just search us. And then uh, please follow us on our socials. Um, Instagram, Best Friends Horror Story, and Twitter, BF Horror Story. And then our next upload is going to be in about a week. We're going to try and keep as consistent of an upload schedule as we possibly can. So definitely go check us out on there. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we will see you in the next episode. Okay, bye! Okay, bye!